views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. to this broadcast of Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I'm broadcasting from behind the enemy lines of USA Inc. Today's date is a it's a Thursday and it is June the 13th, 2019. June the 13th, 2019. Um do have a program for you today. Sorry about yesterday. Uh, we had some issues yesterday um, with our server being attacked. Um, you know, we lease a virtual private server um, to do the work that we do in terms of hosting the different platforms uh, that we have. We actually lease a couple of servers. And the server that hosts blacktalkradionetwork.com, where that platform is hosted on, uh, came under a DDoS attack yesterday. Um, and I suspect that the attack was based on the program I did about the Hyde Amendment and Democrats giving Donald Trump the issue he needs uh, to rally pro-life voters behind him if he uses the Democrats' uh, proposal to repeal the Hyde Amendment um, as a central plank of their platform. Uh, this started in 2016 with Hillary Clinton in the nomination and when they created the um, the DNC platform, that was one of the planks, although it was not widely talked about because most of us was distracted by the fact that the DNC uh, colluded with the Clinton campaign to rig their primary election to give Clinton uh, the nomination. So, you know, I, yesterday, what a DDoS attack is, is when a person it's usually not going to come from one IP address. An IP address is registered to one computer, but some people are able to to set up networks that have several different IP addresses, and then they're able to launch a DDoS attack. Now, what that does is if you have more computers trying to connect to a platform more than what it can handle, then when other people, legitimate people, come in to access the platform, try to, they can't. It'll either say that service is temporarily down or it's over capacity. And, you know, that's probably some of the messages that y'all got yesterday. So it started actually the night before, but I wasn't aware of it. 
Um, but then when I started working on, um, you know, my program for yesterday for BTR News, I noticed that we kept I kept having trouble trying to post stuff. So any of the uh, media producers that's part of the Black Talk Radio Network, they was experiencing uh, trouble. I was experiencing trouble. So I had to work on that being the only tech guy. You know, that's why it's important um, to keep funding Black Talk Media Project. You know, I don't have a staff. I got a couple of volunteers to help me with this or that, but most of the technical stuff falls to me. Um, because we have a limited budget, I can only allocate so many resources because, you know, it, it's charged based on how much resources I need for that, that virtual private server. And, you know, because we're on a limited budget, um, I have to, you know, set it to something that we can afford as an organization. And that, unfortunately, does leave us open to DDoS attacks um, because if you have enough uh, allocations for um, your server, then they can do that and it won't affect the site because the site can handle that much traffic. But um, if, if it overwhelms your server, then it, it's going to, it's going to shut it down. It's going not shut it down, but it's just not going to let your your legitimate visitors to your platform uh, get to your website. So that's why I wasn't. I had to cancel at the last minute yesterday. BTR News, because I will do my best uh, to come on Monday through Friday at 11 a.m. And um, I just wasn't able to do that yesterday because you know other people depend on. Um, being able to access the platform and post their content. And then, you know, um, our regular visitors want to access that content. So that's why I had to cancel the show yesterday. And, it, and, and you know, it took me a while to determine that it was a DDoS attack um, because sometimes, you know, we have had traffic surges um, and it will simulate a DDoS attack. Um, but, you know, you look through the data and you can determine whether these are uh, legitimate visitors or if you're suffering uh, an attack, a DDoS attack. And I determined that that's what we were. So I contacted the company that I'm contracting with for our virtual private server and said that I'm under a DDoS attack and I need your assistance. And not even 30 minutes later, it cleared up having no issues and what have you. So it's important. It's important. There are people who want to take away our voice. That's how this network got started. Um, and, you know, sometimes because we're not in agreement with people who have, uh, let's say, let's just call them ideological extremists. And they will attack you. They will attack your platforms. They will try to, you know, get you kicked off of if you want somebody else's platform like YouTube or, or other platforms. And, you know, it's not your platform. And so, you know, we're going to have to deal with those things. And so we, we definitely need continued financial support so that we can uh, continue to do our work. All right. So speaking of the Hyde Amendment, which I believe provoked the attack, um, because I was saying that I don't want to fund abortions. I don't want to fund them. 
I wasn't saying that, hey, I don't want you to, well, I don't want women uh, to get abortions. I wish they would use contraceptive, contraceptives, and, you know, that that all break uh, goes to funding contraceptives. I ain't got a problem with that. And providing uh, health care, real health care. I don't see abortion as health care. Abortion is a medical procedure to terminate a pregnancy. That's not health care. It's just a medical procedure. That's not health care. All right. So speaking of the Hyde Amendment, um, yesterday an article came out. Well, actually, it, it came out today. And this is coming to you from NPR. Ban on abortion funding stays in House bill as 2020 Democrats promise a repeal. So like I stated yesterday, all the Democratic candidates are running. Um, even Joe Biden, who first came out saying, hey, I support the Hyde Amendment. I voted for it for all these years. And, you know, um, now he's flip-flopping. He's saying, oh, I'm for a repeal of the Hyde Amendment after the ideological abortion extremists uh, brought pressure on him. And perhaps the DNC saying, hey, you can't run for the nomination if you don't agree to this plank in our platform. And so if you missed that program, I don't, I don't want to rehash that show. It's in the archives, the last BTR news uh, show that I did on Tuesday. Um, so um, Democrats on the 2020 campaign trail are emphasizing their support for expanded abortion rights. But in Washington, House Democrats are preparing to retain a decades-long ban on most federal funding for abortion. So Again, the Hyde Amendment does allow for federal funding of terminating pregnancies if it's to save the life of a mother, if the pregnancy is a result of incest or or rape. So it has those three exceptions. So there's the Hyde Amendment does not outright just ban federal funding for the termination of pregnancies. Um, it goes on to say presidential candidates, including Senator Elizabeth Warren, former Vice President Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris, have denounced the funding restrictions under what is known as the Hyde Amendment. Harris has said it targets poor women who rely on federal health care benefits. Warren says she will lead the fight to have it overturned. And Biden now says that biking, backing the Hyde Amendment violates his belief that health care is a human right. Now, let me stop it right there. Um, here's the thing. Now, I do I do not interpret any part of the Constitution and they base Roe v. Wade on the 14th Amendment. Again, I don't want to rehash Tuesday's program, but you read the 14th Amendment and you know the intent of the 14th Amendment as one of the Reconstruction Amendments, then you know it has nothing to do with saying that uh, abortion is a right. But let's say you take that view that abortion is a right. Well, the Supreme Court has also ruled that citizens have a right to bear arms, meaning that they have a right to own weapons. So does that mean then that the federal government should fund my purchase of weapons? If it's a right, should the federal government, since, you know, it's a right, and that's the argument that abortion is a right, so the government should fund it, well, you know, Buy me my my next uh, rifle. I could use a new hunting rifle. Buy me a rifle. Okay. Should the federal government be funding, um, you know, um, poor people to buy handguns, to buy uh, rifles? I mean, when you look at 
uh, demographically poor, impoverished areas, they typically have higher crime. So maybe those poor citizens who can't afford a weapon to defend themselves against home invasions and carjackings and stuff like that, perhaps the federal government should fund the purchase of firearms for those impoverished individuals so they can protect themselves. You might find that to be ridiculous, but isn't it the same? Hey, if abortion is a right, and these politicians are saying, therefore, since it's a right, um, you know, invoking the poor's right to an abortion, um, you know, they're saying that we sh taxpayers through the federal government should fund it. It's the same argument. And in my opinion, both are ridiculously uh, incorrect. All right. So, but anyway, um, despite these pledges, Democrats in the House, and they do control the House, um, they um, have a history, and they're going to continue that history of voting for spending bills that include the Hyde Amendment. Again, the Hyde Amendment prohibits uh, federal funding of the termination of pregnancies unless it's to save the life of the mother in cases of incest or rape. And, you know, it's also, I, I look at it as a violation of people's First Amendment right to practice a religion. Call it a religion, a moral code, spiritual beliefs, whatever term you want to use to describe the fact that many people who are pro-life are, are basing their pro-life stance on the fact that they believe that um, that's a human being in a woman's body. Now, there's some disagreement on or there isn't a consensus on when life starts. Some people believe it starts at conception. Some people believe once you can get a fetal heartbeat and you can hear that, that it begins there and so on and, and so forth. So there's no consensus on that. But there does seem to be a consensus among pro-lifers that they don't want to pay for it. They don't want their tax dollars going. And I know our tax dollars go towards a lot of things that we don't want to pay for. But that's no excuse. I don't want to keep funding uh, uh, trillions and trillions of dollars into the military industrial complex to destabilize the world. I don't want to keep funding all of that. You know, Joe Biden tried to come up with a, a slick little answer and saying, well, you know, you say so you support the troops, but you don't want to fund the troops. It's not even, it's not, it's apples and oranges, Joe Biden. Mr. Flip Flopper. It's apples and oranges. Supporting the troops has nothing to do with the trillions of dollars that are wasted at the Pentagon because a lot of troops still, still, unless they're officers, but most of the uh, enlisted personnel, enlisted, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, well, not even E7s or E8s or first sergeants and what have you, but E5s on down. Man, they their pay puts them very close, and some of them, I would say, are E1 private under the federal poverty level. So it's not like these trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars is uh, going towards providing more monetary and other benefits to the troops. So, you know, Joe Biden is, um, that's apples 
and oranges. So I just wanted to give that update on uh, that story right quick. And I believe my position, my stance on the Hyde Amendment um, is what caused um, some extremists out there to attack blacktalkradionetwork.com uh, simply because I said something. And I'm sure there are probably people on the network and it's not that I've done any kind of polls of all the radio producers or podcast producers and asked them what their thoughts are on the repeal of the Hyde Amendment. Some of them may, may disagree with me. So, you know, you're, you're attacking a platform that is a shared platform between individuals producing black media. And, um, you know, it, it, an attack on one is an attack on all. So, um, it's just a shame. It's just a shame that, you know, uh, they feel so strongly about uh, terminating pregnancies that, you know, they would violate my First Amendment rights to uh, speak my mind on the issue. Okay. All right. So I got a couple of news stories that I want to uh, uh, get through. That was just a quick update on what happened uh, yesterday and why I wasn't on air. And, um, uh, you know, just the vicious attack that we had on our server yesterday. So I got a couple of stories that I want to share with you, but the main story that I want to get to, um, there is a lot of buzz, let's call it buzz. There's been a lot of media reports, a lot of buzz around uh, Donald Trump saying that if a foreign government or a foreign person um, had dirt on one of his political opponents that he would accept it. And he may or may not call the FBI. And he called it oppositional research. So I, I want to, you know, compare what the media is saying and, and social media people are saying, uh, people on social media are saying and calling this treason and what have you. And again, I don't have to defend Trump. I'm not defending Trump. I just want to defend the facts. I just want to provoke in you um, critical thinking, to think about things from a objective position, meaning a neutral position. I don't like a lot of the stuff Donald Trump does. I don't like Donald Trump, even though I've never met him, but, you know, his personality, his traits, the things that he says, you know, I, I don't I don't like I don't like them. But this has nothing to do with me liking him. It has to do with the manipulations, the manipulation of the minds of the masses through news media, which Malcolm X warned us about. So for those that don't know, I am not a partisan political person. This is not a partisan political program. We discuss political and social issues on this program, and I'm nonpartisan. When it comes to, if somebody asks you, are you a Republican or a Democrat? I'm neither. I'm neither. I don't send monetary support to either of those parties. I have voted for Republicans. I have voted for Democrats. I've voted for Green Party members. I have written people's names in that didn't appear on the ballot. I'm nonpartisan. So if, you are, if you're looking for partisanship, if you're looking for me to just repeat the talking points of the right or the left, this is the wrong program for that. I'm, I'm always going to try to approach it from an objective point of view and just try to ascertain the facts. 
So we'll talk about that. Also, uh, cops were hit in Memphis, Tennessee, in case you hadn't heard about that. I just found out about it this morning. It happened last night around 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. You had what appears to be federal marshals uh, shoot a 20-year-old black man down in the yard of his family home. Um, reports say that he was shot up to 20 times. Um, then the community, which is described as predominantly ac- African-American, from poor people to to middle class, whatever the, that means. Um, but anyway, um, these protests turned violent when protesters started hurling bricks and bottles and stones and they say up to about 20 plus cops uh, got injured. Um, See, something like that, a lot of people don't realize that something like that can spark another revolution in this country. Now, if the police had responded by opening fire and killing a whole bunch of protesters, in response to them getting rocks and stuff thrown at them, man, that could that 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 would reverberate across the country, and you probably would then see millions and millions of black people in the streets, especially in urban areas, um, battling the police, and it, it could easily. Leave. Let's not forget the American Revolution started because of the Boston Massacre. What was the Boston Massacre? Well, for those that don't know American history, the Boston Massacre was the result of a protest against um, British soldiers' violence. You might as well say they was the police. That's what their function was during that colonial period. That's why they were stationed in the colonies. They were the police. And so um, colonists held a protest. And some say it turned violent, said some of them were armed with clubs and, and what have you, and a few rocks might have been thrown at the British soldiers, and the British soldiers opened fire on a crowd of protesters, killing them. The most famous um, and described in, in by the historians as the leader of this protest was the afro uh, Indian, meaning that he was uh, African and Indian, so you know he was half and half. Uh, Chris, Crispus the Tux was the first to fall. They say that's how the American Revolution got started. That's how the the fight for independence from the British got started over a protest over police brutality. Now, of course, it would later be hijacked by people like. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson's, and, and other uh, white supremacist slavers. And then it became about, oh, we don't want to pay our fair share of taxes. We don't want to pay the British crown any of our wealth that we're generating off the backs of these African victims of slavery. So we're going to hijack this. We're going to fund it. We're going to hijack it. We're going to control it. And hence, you know, that's how this nation was founded on slavery. It was founded on slavery and white supremacy. So when I saw that all of these people attacked the police, that's what my that's where my mind went to. It went to the Boston Massacre. And not that the cops fired on the protesters, but it could have easily have happened. Could have easily have happened. So, um, 
I, I will get to some of the details in that post. All right, so also, um, let me get to some other stories. Uh, this is a story that I've been keeping an eye on, although I haven't talked about it much. But now it seems that two countries, two countries have been affected by this Ebola outbreak in Africa. And I remember when I first heard about this heard about the outbreak it's been some months now maybe over six months I'm, I'm not sure but I started reading about in the Demo it started in the Democratic Republic um, what is it the Democratic Congo DRC Democratic Republic of Congo I believe is the uh, the uh, name of that nation and there's always been much turmoil turmoil and, and fighting and violence and a lot of stuff going on there but when this Ebola outbreak first happened I started hearing about people attacking the healthcare workers armed people, uh, armed guerrillas and what have you, attacking the healthcare, they even killed a couple of them um, but disrupting the operation to um, quarantine these Ebola patients. So I was like, man, why are they doing that? This could turn into an epidemic. And now it's then crossed the border into Uganda. So let's listen to this news report about um, a second case of Ebola being found across the border from the DRC in Uganda. So let me cue that up. It's a five-minute report. A border can't stop a virus, but Ugandan authorities are trying. Three Ebola cases have been registered in the country. It's the first known cross-border spread since an outbreak began in the neighboring Democratic Republic of Congo last August. Fears are growing that this might only be the beginning. The Ebola outbreak in the DRC is still going on. And by today, we have over 2,000 uh, confirmed cases. And so the probability of more cases crossing over from the DRC into Uganda is very high. Ebola isn't new to Uganda. The country has seen five outbreaks of the disease since the year 2000. It has now stepped up efforts to contain the virus, screening every person coming in from the eastern DRC. The government is also deploying an experimental Ebola vaccine for healthcare workers along the border. We are very cognizant that many more people will come in to support the response, and these many more people will not be vaccinated. And so from Friday, we shall begin vaccination again of frontline health workers, other workers, and ring vaccination for the contacts. Because of past successes in combating the disease, Uganda is widely regarded as being at the forefront of the fight against Ebola. But faced with the most recent cases, many Ugandans feel uneasy and wish their country did more to educate citizens about the virus. The government has not done enough to sensitize people about Ebola. Because I think the acknowledgement should have started from the rural areas. But you know, when people have the symptoms they want to hide, and then they mix with the greater population, which now spreads the disease to, to, wider, to wider areas. Me, I'm safe because I haven't seen any symptom of Ebola. But I think the government should also 
continues to incise people about the Ebola. I think they have confirmed some three cases as per now. It means we are not safe. Tomorrow, the World Health Organization is set to decide whether the Ebola outbreak, now that it has transcended the DRC, should be declared an international health emergency. All right, a troubling situation there. We can speak to Alan McDonald from Save the Children in Uganda. He joins us from Kampala. Hi, Alan. Uh, can you give us more details about the situation right now in Congo and in Uganda where you are? Thanks. Well, um, as was said in your report, there's been an outbreak of Ebola in Congo now for, for a year almost. Um, we've seen more than 2,000 cases, uh, hundreds of them children, um, more than 1,300 deaths. Um, this is the first time that it's spread across the border uh, into Uganda, so, so people here are obviously very worried. In Uganda, we now have three confirmed cases, um, two of whom have already died, uh, a five-year-old boy and his grandmother. There's a, another three-year-old boy, uh, very young, who, who is currently being treated. And, and these are all in the west of Uganda, near the, the Congolese border. Um, they're all from the same family who, who recently came back from Congo. Lots of people cross the border back and forth um, to see relatives, go to markets and so on. There's a, there's a lot of movement and there's a lot of screening at the border in place. Um, but now that we have this, the government is really stepping up the response to focus on stopping it spreading further. Um, so we, we need a lot more education of the community, uh, vaccinations uh, for health workers and, and so on to, to stop it spreading. Alan, how would you compare this outbreak to the last uh, big outbreak of Ebola in Western Africa in uh, 2013 and 14 and onwards? Well, this is definitely the biggest outbreak since then, but so far it is on a smaller scale, um, fewer cases and so on, but it, it, it shows no sign of ending. Um, and now that it's crossed the border and potentially could also cross into other countries in the region, um, this is really the time to act to make sure that it doesn't grow into a crisis of the scale that we saw in West Africa. It's also a very different kind of context. Um, DRC, Congo has one of the, the worst conflicts in the world, um, which makes it very difficult to respond um, and Uganda is hosting uh, one of the largest number of refugees in the world and um, so it, it's already struggling to cope with the refugee crisis and now on top of that it has Ebola to contend with. Alan more than 1300 deaths in Congo hundreds of children you're saying and now this is spreading how worrying is this to you? Extremely worrying. Um, these are the first cases in Uganda, but it can spread very quickly if it's not contained. Um, so the Ugandan government is is leading the response and has a lot of experience in dealing with these kind of outbreaks. Um, but it, it really will require uh, much more international support, um, particularly um, as someone mentioned in your report, it was it's really important that communities get the information and education about Ebola, um, simple steps that they can take to prevent it spreading, what to do if they see the symptoms, what the symptoms are. Mm -hmm. um, a, lot of, a lot of these communities are very rural areas, there isn't a lot of access to healthcare, um, so we really need more support to get into those communities and explain to them uh, what is going on and how it can be prevented. All right, Alan McDonald from Save the Children in Uganda. Thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you. And that was a report from the German base, um, DW News. DW News provided um, that report. And 
I don't know how how uh, fresh it is in the minds of people that 2013 outbreak that occurred. Um, I know Liberia, I was about to say Libya, Liberia was hit especially hard. Uh, There was story, there was a story that came out about a man who somehow was able to board a plane, plane infected with Ebola and made it to Dallas. Um, There was a couple of nurses that also, they got um, infected from treating of that individual so um, people panic and you know they don't take the safety of the general public in concern as they don't want to die so you know they try to do whatever they can to get help but again what's so dangerous about this situation though is in the DRC you have people healthcare workers being attacked and and the medical operations to contain and treat Ebola victims is being disrupted. And so now we have, um, you know, two reports of two cases of Ebola crossing the border. Uh, I shouldn't say Ebola crossing the border, but um, people infected with Ebola crossing the border into Uganda. Now it was um, assuring to hear, I should say, Um, that Uganda has been at the forefront of combating Ebola in the past, and they seem to be um, better equipped than other nations in Africa to handle uh, this outbreak. So I thought that was a very important story that I wanted to bring to your attention. I I probably should have mentioned it sooner. I have been posting about it, by the way, in btrcommunity.com, which is the social media community for Black Talk Radio Network. You should join our social media community if you're looking for a more secure, anonymous um, platform to engage in social media. And it is, you can attain your minute, um, membership with a $24 a year subscription, just $24 a year that helps to fund our uh, new media nonprofit, Black Talk Media Project. I'm going to take a station identification break. I got one more story to share um, before I get to the main stories, which involve Donald Trump's latest comments about oppositional research, uh, what the Clinton campaign did. I see a lot of hypocrisy in news media reporting, but that's not surprising. I see that every day. Um, but my purpose is in a nonpartisan fact fashion, get people to identify that hypocrisy and not just feed into your feelings or your emotions about Donald Trump or the Republicans. We, we need to see both parties as equally as being part of the problem. Um, why we have modern day slavery and human trafficking, why we have so much corruption, so much poverty and wealth inequality in, in this country. Both of them contribute um, to that. Um, they work in a bipartisan fashion to pass these bills. So um, let me take a station identification break. And when I come back, I want to talk about uh, this House um, reparations hearing that's coming up. You will have ta Colts testifying along with actor Danny Glover. They'll be testifying before a House panel uh, concerning reparations for the descendants of victims of slavery. And I, you know, always like to 
uh, tell people, don't just limit it to slavery because slavery was never abolished. When you say slavery to most people in the United States or anywhere in the world, they'll be like, oh, that was that ended 150 plus years ago. No, it didn't. You re- read the 13th Amendment and then you see how convict leasing uh, was set up um, and the black codes that targeted these emancipated victims of slavery. And then, you know, you look at how the black community and other non-white communities have been targeted for prison slavery. And and so it shouldn't just be limited to the time period from uh, whenever the United States was set up. Um, you know, I don't understand how they can go to colonial uh, include colonial, unless you're going to include the UK and tell the UK, hey, y'all need to chip in with this reparations package because um, the colonies was under your control at that time. You are the main reason for the spread of slavery on the continent. And it doesn't matter that you then became a world leader in abolishing the transatlantic um human trafficking trade in, in enslaved Africans. That that doesn't matter. Uh, you still cause great harm and that harm is still continuing on. But it shouldn't be limited to slavery. It should cover Jim, what's known as the Jim Crow period and the modern period. Uh, you know, over a thousand people, primar- is disproportionately black people are getting shot down by modern day slave catchers. So, uh, let me get to, let me take the station identification break and then I'll share that information with you. You're listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast Monday through Friday beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. And welcome back to BTR News. Please support Black Talk Radio Network's um, new media platform. Help us build more platforms for individual communities that need to get control of their own media so that we are not so susceptible to the misinformation coming out or fake news. You can call it fake news uh, coming out of the mainstream um, particularly in black radio, you know, we don't even have talk radio. We, we, we have these killer radio stations playing all this garbage rap. Um, so anyway, let me get to this, to this story of uh, Danny Glover and Tani Hasi Coast. This comes to you from APnews.com. We'll be testifying before a house panel on reparations. It says the topic of reparations for slavery is headed to Capitol Hill for its first hearing in more than a decade with writer ta Coates and actor Danny Glover set to testify before a House panel. While Danny Glover's more than an actor, the man's an activist as well. Uh, the House Judiciary Subcommittee on the Constitution, Civil Rights, and Civil Liberties is scheduled to hold the hearing next Wednesday. So this article uh, just came out today. So next Wednesday, um, they will have this hearing. Uh, I will see, try to find out if it would be broadcast either. I know it'll probably be broadcast on C-SPAN, um, but also I'll check YouTube and see if I can uh, share that in BTR community um, for those interested in watching that panel. 
Uh, I'll probably post it to blacktalkradionetwork.com as well. Hopefully I can get a heads up um, before they air um, and be able to have it ready to go on our network. So anyway, it says that uh, they're scheduling this hearing next Wednesday. Its stated purpose is, and this is in quotes, to examine through open and constructive discourse the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade, its continuing impact on the community and the path to restorative justice. The date of the hearing, June 19, coincides with Juneteenth, a cultural holiday commemorating the emancipation of enslaved black people in America. Former Democratic Representative John Conyers of Michigan, the longtime sponsor of House Resolution 40, H.R. 40, uh, first proposed a measure calling for a study of reparations in 1989. Conyers reintroduced the bill every session until his resignation in 2017. Texas Democrat Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, the resolution's new sponsor, introduced it earlier this year and pushed for next week's hearing. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said in February that she supports a reparations study, a topic that hasn't been the subject of a House hearing since 2007. Uh, reparations have been a fringe issue and occasional punchline until Colt's 2014 essay in the Atlantic, The Case for Reparations, thrust the topic back into national discourse. Glover, an activist, as well as the star of the Lethal Weapon movies and the classics The Color Purple and The Rage in Harlem, has spoken in favor of the issue for years. In an interview with Coates, as he prepared to leave office, President Barack Obama questioned the implementation of reparations, but not the concept. And in a conversation Coates had earlier this year with Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Democrat out of New York, the popular progressive endorsed reparations. Now, despite some of the fake news that you might get on Twitter, as just the other day I saw where um, this person posted on Twitter that Bernie Sanders doesn't support reparations. Well, Bernie Sanders came out in March and stated that if Congress passes H.R. 40, which is to establish a commission to study the issue of reparations and come up with a reparations package, Sanders said he would sign it into law. So I think, um, and some of this isn't confusion. Some of this is deliberate disinformation um, because people have agendas and they, you know, might be supporting this candidate or that candidate or they're trying to um, disrupt uh, support for, you know, this set of policies or that set of policies you know, regardless of whatever it is. But Sanders was asked about it on CNN. I think it was by Wolf Blitzer. I could be uh, incorrect. And he would say, hey, Elizabeth Warren says she supports reparations. What about you, Senator Sanders? Senator Sanders said, well, what does that mean? What does she mean by I support reparations? Because just saying you support reparations is so vague, you know, it, it's vague. What 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 form of reparations are you talking about? You know, we need to define that um, before we ask a politician whether they support something or not. Asking somebody they just simply support reparations is vague. I mean, they can gauge where they are on the issue. 
and, and what have you, but it's still a vague. It's still vague. So what HR 40 would do um, would establish a commission to gather the evidence, to make the case, and to form a reparations package. Um, I'm not sure if any other Democratic or people seeking uh, the Democratic nomination for president has said that they would sign H.R. 40 into law. Um, I probably could look that up, but I don't want to um, do that right now because it's not my main story. Um, but anyway, uh, it goes on to say the reparations debate became part of the 2020 presidential race early as several Democratic presidential primary candidates signaled their support for compensating the descendants of victims of slavery. That's my term. I don't, I don't like calling them slaves. They were captives. Uh, though not in a traditional sense of direct payouts to black Americans. Most have, most have been vague. See, again, you know, and I hadn't even read this portion, but whoever wrote this seems to agree with me. Whoever wrote this for the AP, they, you know, a lot of these people are being vague on specific ideals, but they have instead offered policies addressing economic inequality that would disproportionately benefit black people. Well, you know, and I agree with some people that I've, don't typically agree with um, or their approach to this issue but um, I absolutely support Medicaid for all or Medicare for all minus the funding abortion as I stated Tuesday um, that I, I just don't want to see that happen um, again from further details or for further enlightenment on why I feel the way I do um, go check out Tuesday's uh, program, which is podcasted on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Um, but, you know, I support free college tuition at public universities and colleges. This is already supported by tax dollars anyway. Um, yeah, and it would disproportionately benefit black people. But guess what, though? We need to address the a crime against humanity that is ongoing. Because in, in my mind, a reparations package ought to also include a repeal and replacement of the 13th Amendment. So it has no exception clause as punishment for crime in it. Now you're going to call for reparations for the practice of the institution of slavery but don't actually end the institution of slavery. All right? So, oh, by the way, if y'all missed New Abolitionist Radio um, last night, which comes on Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, a program I, I founded um, and produced, um, and we currently have some recently new hosts, but we had a, a very good guest um, uh, Ethiopian immigrant came over as a child and, and this guy has been putting in a lot of work, a lot of work. Uh, Mr. Five, Maulim Ak, Maulim Ak, um, check him out. That, that brother is put, I don't even know if he has a family or not. <laughs> Cause I'm like, dude, you putting in so much work at the UN level at the national level, at the regional level, I'm like, man, where do you find time to live? Check out that program. That program, um, in general, just focuses on this issue of the 13th Amendment and prison slavery. So, no, um, 
While I do support these policies that would disproportionately benefit um, the black masses in the United States and other people, it, it would benefit everybody, but disproportionately us, um, that's separate. That's something entirely separate from a reparations package. Okay, the reparations package is supposed to address this this historic crime against humanity. And so, you know, uh, including other people in that, no, that, that's not going to work. That's not going to work for me. All right, let me move to um, the next story. Um, I have no set time for doing this broadcast. I have no set time. I get through the information. And then I'm going to close out the broadcast because there's a lot of other stuff I need to be doing. Again, I don't have a staff, and um, it, it's a lot running this network. So I have other stuff I need to do. So um, try to be, um, how shall I say this, uh, make best use of my time. Um, okay, so before I get to Donald Trump, let me get to what happened last night around 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. As I stated earlier, this could have easily spiraled into a mass nationwide rebellion if the police, and I'm going to give them, well, it's not me giving them credit. It's just stating the fact they show restraint and not opening fire and killing a bunch of these protesters that was allegedly throwing rocks and bottles at them and they're saying at least 24 Memphis police officers were hurt in a protest after the deadly shooting. Now, there's a number of articles out about this. I particularly like this one from NPR um, because it, it, it contains some information by a journalist by the name of Tammy Sawyer. As a matter of fact, let me go to her profile on Twitter to see... Um, what else she has posted out there. Um, no, no, she's not a journalist. Uh, she is on the Shelby County Commission Commissioner. She's a Shelby County Commissioner, and she's a candidate for the mayor of Memphis. All right, so this was her that was tweeting this stuff out. Okay, um, I, my mistake, it wasn't a journalist. I, I consider, I uh, assume that it was a journalist. Okay, let me move on to the, to um, this article. All right, it says that at least, and it was updated at 9.30 a.m. Again, this happened at around 10 o'clock. Um, the the uh, attack on the officers happened at 10 o'clock, um, but the shooting that led to the, to the attack on the officers occurred at around 7 p.m., uh, I think uh, Memphis is, is in Eastern time. I'm not sure. I believe they are. Um, at least 24 Memphis Police Department officers were injured during a large protest Wednesday night. Mayor Jim Strickland says the violence erupted at the officers of the U.S. Marshal Service shot and killed Brandon Weber, 20 years old. The shooting occurred around 7 p.m. local time as officers from the U.S. Marshal Service as part of the Gulf Coast Regional Fugitive Task Force tried to take a man into custody. When the officers approached the man, law enforcement officials said, now again, take that with a grain of salt because law enforcement officials have said many of things and then we look at the video and the exact opposite happened. All right, so always be suspect when law enforcement officials say anything. I'm not saying they're lying. 
I'm just saying, be skeptical because of their history of lying, okay? Um, but he said that the young man was getting into his car in the Frazier community in North, northern Memphis, Tennessee. That man was Weber, according to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, which is investigating the case. The agency says he was wanted on multiple warrants. Now, it doesn't tell us what type of warrants. I haven't seen anything on what type of warrants um, You know, he was wanted for. Um, more than likely, and again, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, most likely having to do with the drug war, I, I would imagine, but I don't know that for a fact. Um, it could have been related to some, some other alleged crimes, but he was wanted on multiple warrants. Uh, when the officers tried to stop Weber, and again, this is according to law enforcement officials, he reportedly rammed his vehicle into the officer's vehicles multiple times before exiting with a weapon. The TBI says the officers fired, striking and killing the individual, according to the TBI. Now, I do have a question here on body cams. Now, um, and I do support body cams because, again, it could, it could either exonerate the suspect the individual that they say committed a crime, or it could also exonerate the officer who they say committed excessive force without justification. So that's why I support body cams because the film don't lie. Now, other people may lie to you about what the film shows, as we've seen that um, um, over the years, them lying about it. Oh, okay, but the film don't lie. I can watch the film myself and, and ascertain um, the facts for myself. So I have a question. Uh, are U.S. Marshals or any U.S., let's even say the Border Patrol, let's say the FBI, let's say uh, uh, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, are they forced to wear body cameras? I think they should wear body cameras again so that we can have clear-cut evidence of what occurred and we don't have to go off of anybody's word. We can see it for ourselves. I'm not, at this point in time, I don't know. Maybe that's a question I'll put out there on social media and ask people if, if they know. Are federal law enforcement required to wear body cam body cams so i'm not stating um any of any of this is talking about that there's any uh existing body cam footage of the shooting or also of the protest so i guess you know again we're in the first 24 hours of this happening maybe more information will come out so it says um the residents begin to gather in the street of this community looking for answers reports local TV news Fox 13 Shelby County Commissioner Tammy Sawyer was among the first officials to identify the slain man publicly she also said the local community has a reason to distrust the police and that goes back to what Brother Fire was saying last night on New Abolitionist Radio is that, you know, distrust of the police is in black folks' DNA. 
because, you know, they come out of the slave patrols. And, and that is typically what their job has been, is to oppress the black community. Who was enforcing Jim Crow laws? Okay? They upheld that. So, they have a history of this. So, um, t t uh, Commissioner Tammy Sawyer said, don't judge Frazier, talking about the community, without asking the community how it feels to mourn their youth over and over again. What do people do with their pain and trauma when it gets to be too much? When a city has ignored them, when their loss is too great and they can no longer yell at the sky. She goes on to say, I was in Frazier tonight because Brandon Weber was shot 16 to 20 times in his family's front yard on the very same day as the Pulse nightclub shooting anniversary and on the same day that the DA chose not to charge another police officer for murdering a civilian. So I'm not sure what she's talking about. So let me try to uh, pull that up real quick. Y'all bear with me. Memphis DA declines to charge officer in fatal shooting. Let me see if I can find something with that. Um, this came out two days ago, the Terrence Carlton shooting. This is coming to you from commercialappeal.com. No charges against Memphis police officer who fatally shot Terrence Carlton in 2018. Uh, let me see if I can get some of the details. No criminal charges will be filed against a Memphis police lieutenant who shot and killed Terrence Carlton last year, according to the Shelby County District Attorney's Office. Carlton, 25, was shot and killed on April the 21st, 2018, on the 4400 block of Summer Avenue. MPD officers identified Carlton as a suspect in two overnight shootings and a robbery in the Berkeley area. Body cameras for the release release of the shooting shows that Carlton was not armed. One year later, Marion Alexander Carlton's mother filed a wrongful death lawsuit against MPD, claiming her son was unarmed during the shooting. The suit called for $50 million in compensatory damages and an additional $50 million in punitive uh, damages. So that is perhaps uh, what she's referring to. Um, but that came out two days ago. Maybe she just found out about it um, yesterday when this uh, shooting occurred. All right. So I think she's exactly right, though, to, you know, you can't judge these people. Um, Memphis police have I've done several stories concerning police brutality uh, concerning the Memphis uh, police. Um, yeah, so uh, again, I'm with her on that. All right, so she says, I was in Frazier tonight because Brandon Weber was shot 16 to 20 times in his family front yard on the same day as the nightclub shooting, and the DA chose not to charge another officer for murdering a civilian. All right, so it says... Uh, no officers were injured, and they're talking about the U.S. Marshals, in that initial encounter 
according to the TBI, I guess they're talking about protesters showing up. But the fatal shooting touched off outrage in Frazier, a predominantly black area. The U.S. Marshals asked Memphis police for help, and officers who responded initially came to assist with traffic. As residents gathered in the street near where the shooting occurred, police formed a human wall. Officers repeatedly ordered people off the streets. Within hours, however, violence broke out and police deployed riot shields. The situation escalated as people in the crowd began throwing rocks and bricks at officers, according to the Memphis police. Around 10 p.m. local time, police began using tear gas against the protesters, according to the Daily Memphian. Um, let me see. Six wounded officers were taken to the hospital, Strickland says, adding that at least Two journalists were also hurt, and multiple police cars were vandalized. All right, so when I read about this this morning, I immediately thought about how this could have turned into another Boston Massacre situation because it's the exact same circumstances under which this all occurred. Again, for those who aren't up on um, U.S. colonial history, this occurred in Massachusetts, um, where Crispus the Tux and other protesters angry that British soldiers, a.k.a. the police, had beat up a teenager in their community. So um, they got angry. They went to confront the British soldiers, a.k.a. the police. Um, the British soldiers formed a firing line and fired on those protesters. Now, again, some historians say um, that the protesters were so angry, at, you know, and I'm sure it wasn't just this one instance of police brutality in the colonies. <laughs> and and But this set it off. And they might have been throwing rocks at them and what have you in the British open fire. And then next thing you know, there's an American uh, revolution going on to gain independence from uh, the British crown. I'm saying that if these officers had, let's say that they had killed, how many people were killed in the Boston Massacre? Maybe six or seven of the protesters were killed. So let's say that they, uh, Memphis police had opened up fire and killed uh, these six protesters. That would have quickly spiraled out of control. We might have had running gun battles between the community Um and the police, and then this could have led to nationwide protests and perhaps led to another revolution. It is not uh, It is not impossible to think that another revolution could happen, and anything could set it off. All right, so let me see. It's 12.02. I'm going to take another station identification break, and then I want to get to uh, uh, Trump, Clinton, and oppositional research. Um, mainstream media is really going after Trump with this headline that Trump should be impeached. He's a traitor, and and he said he if approached by foreign figures with information on his 2020 opponent, opponent, it's not an interference. They have information. I think I'll take that. And people are saying this is treason, but you know, again, a lot of people are in their emotions, and and Donald Trump does invoke a lot of emotions in people. Whether it's invoking emotions in, in um, these low information, miseducated, racist Trump supporters, because he certainly has those among his base 
uh, Ku Klux Klan, uh, other white nationalist organizations have endorsed him in the past and, and what have you. Uh, um, but then also on the other side, you know, that has created a lot of emotion on those who oppose many of Donald Trump's uh, policies, you know. And I oppose a lot of his policies, but I'm not going to get emotional about it and and allow that to um, allow the mainstream media to manipulate my thoughts and my words and my speech and actions to uh Except something that is dubious, that that has no basis in fact, and hypocritical, hypocritical, and and double standards for Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Double standards, you know. A lot of this impeachment talk is over obstruction of justice, and if he obstructed justice, if he tried to obstruct um, the Mueller investigation, then yes, indict him. But at the same time, though. Then you got to indict Hillary Clinton. And there was no cause from any of the people um, who are opposed to Republicans or don't align themselves with Donald Trump. There was no cause for um, Clinton to be prosecuted over obstruction of justice. You know, I saw an article the other day where Bill Maurer, um, who has a show on HBO, I think, Real Time with Bill Maurer, and he's, he, he had to admit Hillary Clinton took a hammer. She had people take a hammer. She ordered people to take a hammer to destroy her private server and to destroy cell phones. While she was being investigated for violating federal law on the handling of classified information. Well, she clearly violated that. But again, if you are a partisan person, if you have a political gang affiliation to the Democrats or a political gang, gang affiliation or mindset concerning Republicans, you're not going to be objective. You're not going to be honest because it's not about objectivity or honesty with you. It's about inflicting damage or harm to your political opponent. It's all political. So we'll we'll get into that again. I don't. I'm not. It is not my purpose to defend Trump. It is my purpose to ascertain the facts in a, and and present an objective analysis of what those facts are. You're listening to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. I broadcast this program when I'm when able, Monday um, through Friday at starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. If you're interested, if you're black business, um, an ethical business, um, if you have some products that you would like to promote, please consider sponsoring um, BTR News. You can uh, get at me um, for more information on how you become either a sponsor of this program or a business sponsor of the entire um, network um, at just $5 per 1,000 views. All right, and unlimited um, audio um, listens via the radio station and the podcast. All right, we'll be back on the other side. Because it's evil. White supremacy is a system. And what does white supremacy really mean? It just doesn't mean somebody being in charge. No one should care about who's in charge of anything. If the person is not 
mistreating people. White supremacy is about mistreating people based on what? Based on the color in the skin of those people who are being mistreated. That's all it is. It's a form of mistreatment. There are all kinds of mistreatment in the world, but that's the greatest form of mistreatment. That's why it's supreme, because it's the greatest form of mistreatment. If you want to look for mistreatment of the people anywhere on the planet, most people are being mistreated based on color. That's what it is. Mm. You know, if it's just two people on earth, I mean, one person might mistreat another person just because the person is jealous or envious or something. There's all kinds of ways to mistreat people for all kinds of reasons. But this business about racism is about mistreating people based on color. Hi, the Black Talk Media Project would like to invite you to become a member of the BTR Community subscription-based social media platform. BTR Community is a platform that was set up for the listening audience of Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black radio network online. For just $24 per year, your subscription gives you access to an interactive space to share information with like-minded people with your privacy guaranteed. Your subscription will go a long way to help us maintain and improve our current media platforms. It will also help provide a budget so that we can begin the task of establishing localized media centers and radio stations across the United States. The best way to show your support and appreciation for what we do here at Black Talk Radio is to subscribe. Help us to help you be informed. Join btrcommunity.com today. Black Talk Radio since 2008, providing new black media for the masses. And welcome back to BTR News. My name is Scotty Reed. Um, I was just reminded, uh, I made a mental note. I didn't put it in my notes. Well, actually, I did put it in my notes in my um, thread for today's program in btrcommunity.com. But I just simply skipped over it. Uh, my bad. Um, also, I wanted to give um, a hat tip to... Ross, um, a member of the BTR community, also a co-host of Real Life, the radio show, also heard on Black Talk Radio Network. Um, he is the one who hit me to the story, or he posted the story in BTR community, Danny Glover to testify at House Slavery Reparations here, hearing uh, AP News report. So that's who tipped me to that story, and I made a note to uh, tell the audience that I got confirmation Yesterday, or was it the day before yesterday? I think it was the day before yesterday, because yesterday I was all caught up in trying to stop that DDoS attack on our network. Um, again, if you had trouble accessing the network, that's because we came under attack yesterday. Um, but um, I did confirm the day before yesterday, um, talking to a member of Encobra, 
uh, one of the oldest reparations organizations in the United States. They are actual organization. They are are not just you know uh, people organized online arguing for reparations. No, they actually have a nonprofit organization that has been working on this issue for years. And so I confirm that uh, we will be launching an hour-long weekly program on blacktalkradionetwork.com. Of course, it'll be the podcast, but on this station, um, uh, the main station for Black Talk Radio, um, there'll be an hour-long weekly program concerning reparations and the work that Cobra is putting in. Um, in fact, the members of Cobra wrote or helped write H.R. 40, um, the bill that uh, Representative, Texas Representative, the Democrat Representative Sheila Lee um, has introduced. And a lot of uh, other congressional members of Congress have expressed their support, but uh, we'll see. We'll see uh, if that actually um, gets put into a bill and then put on the president's desk. Now, I would wish that they would do it while Trump is still in office. And, and you know, uh, meaning just because he, he either he's going to sign it or he's going to reject it. Just as I said, it was a strategic mistake for Democrats to run on repealing the Hyde Amendment. I think it would be uh, strategically smart to advance a reparations bill and make it an issue for the 2020 election. Either Trump's going to sign it or he's going to veto it. So that's going to tell us. Because I don't see many people asking Donald Trump and asking Republicans, period. I mean, it seems like they're only targeting Democrats. Why? You need more than just Democrats to pass it. So, I, man, I, I didn't whip down that road. And I've already done that segment of the show. But I said all that to say this, that I reached out to William Cobra to see if they would be interested in an hour-long weekly program on reparations and, and update us on, you know, the different um, um, meetings or conferences they may be having. Just inform us about what they're working on. Um, again, you know, I, I had some people when I announced this on social media I had some critics say, oh, I don't like Cobra and all this and that, and uh, saying they've done nothing in all these decades. And I'm like, you know what? You know how much goes into, how much work you have to do in getting legislation written and introduced into Congress? You have to develop context in Congress. And, it, and, and we know the United States has never been serious about paying reparations to the descendants of victims of of uh, American slavery. They pay reparations to the American Indian various tribes. They pay reparations to the Japanese intern of uh, the Japanese victims of during World War II, where they were placed in them concentration camps. They've even paid reparations to Jews for World War II, and I don't even know why. Why did the Obama administration give $12 million uh, to a reparation fund for Jews? Uh, did the United States run some concentration camps or something for Jews? I don't understand that, but they've never been serious. So, 
before you say what our ancestors ain't done or what older people older than you haven't done in these past decades and saying that uh, since you ain't got a reparations check in the mail that they've done nothing and they're worthless, you need to do some work. You need to show me your work in that area. Because as I stated on that post, I was like, I could be up here trashing Harriet Tubman. I could be trashing uh, Frederick Douglass. I could be trashing every abolitionist, self-identified abolitionist during the uh, movement to abolish slavery prior to 1865 and say they was a bunch of failures. They didn't even they didn't even read the Thirteenth Amendment, or either they was illiterate or didn't comprehend English or something. But they never ended slavery. All them people died for nothing, man, and they got to continue to practice slavery. Because the Thirteenth Amendment says slavery and involuntary servitude shall be abolished, except as punishment for crime wherever a party has been duly convicted. And then this was duplicated in all the state constitutions. Sometimes the very exact language. So I could call them failures and say, you know, since we now have prison slavery, I'm going to lay it at their feet and say it's their fault and they was ineffective. But I don't. I thank them for their service and I build upon the work that they did. It is on each and every generation to to advance this legislation, to put in the work. How much money have you donated to organizations like Encobra so that they can hire staff, so that they can uh, set up meetings, so they can lobby Congress? That take money. So they can set up a super PAC and run and pay for ads concerning that costs millions and millions of dollars. How much money have you ever donated to Encobra? Matter of fact, how much money have you donated to the Black Talk Media Project so that we can continue our independent black media operations and not only continue what we have done for 11 years through Black Talk Radio Network, obtaining a number one ranking by independent research firm, of being the number one platform for black digital radio and podcasting, how much have you contributed to us doing that work? It's not very many of you compared to the people who listen to the program and listen to the podcast. And I'm not just talking about this station, but the other stations. Okay. Not very many, less than 300 people. And those 300 people, many of those make monthly contributions or annual contributions. Have you joined BTR community? Just $24 a year. So don't complain about the work of other people if you ain't contributed to it by volunteering your time or volunteering financial resources or any other resources they could use. You not putting in the work, who are you to criticize anybody's work? That's the way I feel about it. Okay? And I'm not rocking, I'm not rocking with anyone who is going to dishonor the hard work of people, whether they accomplished their goals or not. They tried. They did the very best that they could without mass support. So that's how I feel about those people that was uh 
making negative comments when I announced that in Cobra and the Black Talk Media Project was partnering to produce a week long, hour long uh, program. So I, I, I made a mental note of that and I forgot to share it during uh, when I was talking about that article, Danny Glover and Ta-Nehisi Coates going to testify to a House panel about uh, paying rep the U.S. paying reparations for the enslavement of African uh, descendant people, Africans and their descendants. And not only that, and I hope that, you know, Ta-Nehisi Coates and Danny Glover touches on the UN reparations report that came out in 2018 that said you owe it also not just for slavery, but continued white supremacy and terrorism is how I could just simply, you know, sum it up what that report said. Continued, it's still continued, meaning it's ongoing. Now, let me get to this this Trump article. I've been seeing a lot of people on, on social media uh, right now. They're saying impeach Trump now is, is trending because Donald Trump, and I'm going to play this clip, said that if a foreign entity, individual, nation, whatever, gave him some dirt on his political opponent, he would accept it. And some of these headlines are, are misleading. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are in their motions about Donald Trump and, and calling this treason. How is it treason? And were you equally outraged and calling for um, Hillary Clinton to be investigated and prosecuted for treason or anybody in the DNC or Clinton campaign who colluded with GPS Fusion who used a foreign spy, a, former, a retired former MI6 spy who use Russian assets to dig up dirt on Donald Trump. How is that any different? See, this is what I'm talking about. It's not, I don't defend Donald Trump. I don't defend Republican. I don't know. I try to ascertain the facts. I try to uh, analyze those facts and come to a logical conclusion. And my logical conclusion is a lot of this is just political, partisan, noise. So let let me, in case you didn't hear the interview by George Stephanopoulos or Snuffleupagus, as I heard somebody call him, I don't like him, never have. He is a propagandist. Y'all might remember him as a a member of the Clinton administration as his press secretary. Um, uh, But I've never liked George Snuffleupagus. Um, But anyway, this is uh, something from ABC News. It's ABC News exclusive. It's a clip that they shared with the public on Twitter. So I'm going to play that clip for you. Here we go. This is Snuffleupagus uh, conducting the interview. Your son, Don Jr., is up before the Senate Intelligence Committee today. And again, he was not charged with anything. In retrospect, though, By the way, not only wasn't he charged, if you read it, with all of the horrible fake news. I mean, I was reading that my son was going to go to jail. This is a good young man, that he was going to go to jail. And then the report comes out, and they didn't even say, they, they hardly even talked about him. Should he have gone to the FBI when he got that email? Okay, let's put yourself in a position. You're a congressman. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I have information on your opponent. Do you call the FBI? I don't it's think, coming from I'll Russia, tell you what, you do. I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life. 
I don't, you don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office, you do whatever Al you Al Gore got a stolen briefing book, he called the FBI. Well, that's different, a stolen briefing book. This isn't a stolen, this is somebody that said, we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't the work FBI that way. The FBI director says that's what should happen. The FBI director is wrong. Your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't, there's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. You want that kind of interference in our elections? It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI, if I thought there was something wrong. But when somebody comes up with oppo research, right, they come up with oppo research, oh, let's call the FBI. The FBI doesn't have enough agents to take care of it. But you go and talk honestly to congressmen. They all do it. They always have. And that's the way it is. It's called oppo research. And nothing he said in that was wrong. But it depending upon your feelings about Donald Trump. And I have feelings about Donald Trump. But I don't get into my feelings um, as a, a news reporter, as an independent news reporter, as a political commentator. I don't get into my feelings. I get into what's true, what's not true, what's murky, what's not clear. And, you know, I lay my feelings aside. That's, you know, most people don't operate that way. Not even in the news media. Not even in the news media. And they've been doing this, and Donald Trump's right. They've been doing this for a very, 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 very long time. Oppositional research. They gather it from all kind of different sources. Because guess what? GPS Fusion used foreign sources to complete a dossier, a dossier, on Trump, much of it unverified information. We're getting these ridiculous stories about, oh, Donald Trump's susceptible to blackmail because in Russia he had these prostitutes pee on him. I mean, this was the kind of stuff that was in there, right? And 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 so um and so GPS Fusion, which is a oppositional research firm, is based in Washington, DC. And they use foreign sources to do oppositional research. I don't see nobody calling for GPS fusion to be charged with treason or, or cause it's not treason. First of all, let's define what treason is. If you look up the dictionary, the dictionary definition of treason, it simply states that if you try to bring down the government. So if I'm a U.S. citizen and I'm out here plotting to, to overthrow the U.S. government, I could be charged with treason, okay? If I'm a U.S. citizen, let's use a real case, and I take stolen nuclear secrets and I sell them to Israel. Uh, Y'all remember the Rosens? I think that was their last name. Might have been Rosenberg. Uh, I think it was Rosens. I think they were uh, executed. Might have been executed. I do know they were convicted of giving U.S. nuclear secrets to Israel. And they were charged with treason. That's treason. Me accepting dirt on another candidate that I'm running against is not treason. That's not me selling secrets. That's me accepting uh, what may be some secrets about maybe this candidate 
was in Florida, um, you know, engaging in prostitution or, or something like that. Not that I think that sex work should be criminalized, but, you know, um, a lot of people vote based on their morals or whatnot. And they may not want to vote for a candidate who has been busted in a prostitution sting or something like that, or who got their, uh, got caught up in the sting, but was quietly let go. But there's evidence that they were caught. You know, that's not treason. That's not overthrowing the U.S. government. That's not a plot to overthrow the U.S. government. That's not a plot to sell U.S. secrets to a foreign entity. Apples and oranges. But again, if you are in your emotions about Donald Trump, if you let him push your buttons because of some of the nonsense he engages in, the outrageous things that he says, then you're gonna be a, a like you are likely a person that can be easily manipulated by the mainstream media. The whole purpose of us creating Black Talk Media Project and establishing Black Talk Radio Network is because they killed off Black Talk Radio in the terrestrial area and letting these corporations buy up all the stations and squeeze out the small black independent uh, researchers. It is. It, you know, it's because of fake news. It's because of how the media has worked with the FBI to target black activists and what have you. Y'all need to read up on COINTELPRO. And I, it, it just boggles my mind. Unless they're ignorant. that so many people think that the FBI is full of so much integrity and above reproach. We're talking about people who have been involved in assassinations of activists. We're talking about, we just had a congressional hearing where they were uh, uh, forced to admit that the BIE, the Black Identity Extremist, was made up bullcrap that they circulated to police departments and, and then set up surveillance of Black Lives Matter activists. And what has, so what, may, what makes you all of a sudden Oh, because they're targeting Trump. Now you want to pretend like the FBI is above reproach. So you're not being honest. You're not being objective. And you're just being a partisan hack is what you're being. Or a useful idiot. And that is a term, useful idiot. You out here spewing these talking points and they don't have no basis in facts whatsoever. Oh, let's impeach him because he said he would accept oppositional research from a foreign power. Well, that's where the Clinton campaign information came from. Foreign agents. But you ain't you ain't too outraged about that. You're not saying that Hillary Clinton should be investigated and prosecuted for treason. And all, all the lawyers at the DNC that, that participated in this. Now, he didn't say he wouldn't turn over the information uh, to the FBI. He just said, I may or I may not. It depends. So, uh, and they're saying, they're going after his son, saying that, well, he got an email from this person who's of Russian origin or nationality saying they got dirt on Hillary Clinton. They might have um, the transcript to the speech that, Bill Clinton gave to Russian oligarchs and got paid half a million dollars for. Or maybe they could have got a hold of, and how they would have got a hold of it, I don't know, but maybe they got a hold of those secret speeches of Hillary Clinton gave to Wall Street. 
So, you know, let's not be, let's not act like this isn't going on all the time and all sides don't do it. Matter of fact, this was reported and I ain't see much outrage against, against it. When Hillary Clinton was at the uh, secretary, was acting as secretary of state, she had members of the state department trying to hack and steal the passwords of members of the UN general assembly so that they could obtain information dirt on them to blackmail them into voting how the how uh, the state department wanted them to vote on issues coming up resolutions proclamations and what have you coming up at the UN so again, all of them are crooks, man. Again, I, I'm not, now what I just described Hillary Clinton, that's a crime. But I ain't hear no cause for her prosecution. Everybody spies on everybody. And this is not an impeachable offense. Now, don't, I mean, all you gotta do is, is, is be objective and seek out the information and then weigh the facts. Try to ascertain what the facts are. Analyze those facts and what those facts are saying to you. And the facts are saying to me is that the media is very hypocritical depending upon what media outlet and how they align themselves politically. And you can find that out by who they give, what candidates they give money to, just like Comcast uh, uh, executive and lobbyist held a fundraiser, the very first fundraiser for Joe Biden. So, um, you know, MSNBC, NBC, of course, they're going to be biased. Congressional, and this is coming to you from the Hill, collusion bombshell. DNC lawyers met with the FBI on Russian allegations before surveillance warrant. So when I read this article, what it seemed like, though, is they were trying to set Donald Trump up from Jump Street. And I was thinking this morning, they was trying to set him up from the day Bill Clinton on on a golf course is how it was described in golfing with Trump. Because look, the Clintons with the Trump's wedding and all that. There's photographic evidence of that. They Trump considered them to be friends. He told you he gave money to both sides of the aisle. So anyway, it was Bill Clinton who suggested that Donald Trump might want to run for president. Why? Because Hillary Clinton is such a terrible candidate, one of the worst candidates, very incompetent by our own words. I mean, if you're a secretary of state, you didn't been a senator, you were a first lady involved in a lot of work that your husband was doing. And you're going to tell me you don't even know how to use a computer and saying uh, 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 um that you know how to use a BlackBerry, but you don't know how to use a computer, and that that's why you didn't use the State Department issue BlackBerry and use your personal BlackBerry. You know what I'm saying? That's incompetent. That's her saying I'm incompetent. But I know she know if you know how to use a BlackBerry, you know how to use a desktop computer. Stop lying, Hillary. Okay, but again, you know, we have so much partisanship in 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 this country. It's just ridiculous. But this article uh, is talking about this. And I believe, again, the Clintons were setting up Trump to be their opponent. Um, 
since day one. They rigged the DNC election. Um, you didn't even have but three people run for it in 2016. And Bernie Sanders said, if nobody else is going to run against her, I'll run against her. I'll run against this right wing Democrat because that's what she is. Um, so anyway, then they rigged it so that Clinton would get the nomination. Of course, she paid off a lot of the DNC debt and, and what have you and, and, and had tremendous influence over the Democratic Party. And it was called the Pied Piper strategy. And they was going to get their friends in the media to give Donald Trump that billion dollars worth of free media coverage because they wanted Trump to win. They thought that he was so ignorant, that he was so belligerent, that he would repulse the people so much that they would have no choice but to select Hillary. That's why she ran a half-hearted, incompetent, as Obama said, soulless campaign. She didn't want to put it in the work, the real work. She thought that just having Donald Trump as her can as her opposition was going to be enough to get her elected. Well, we see it didn't occur that way. But this was a setup from the Jump Street. Congressional investigators have confirmed that a top FBI official met with Democratic Party lawyers to talk about allegations of Donald Trump, Russia collusion, weeks before the 2016 election and before the Bureau secured a search warrant targeting Trump's campaign. And again, Mueller report, big fat nothing burger. The only thing that came out of the Mueller report is possibly obstruction, that there is a basis for impeaching him on obstruction charges. But again, he ain't the first one to do it. Hillary Clinton destroyed electronic equipment during an investigation into her emails. Okay? So former FBI General Counsel James Baker met during the 2016 season with at least one attorney from Perkins Cole, the DNC committee's private law firm. That firm, that's the firm used by the DNC and Hillary Clinton's campaign to secretly pay research firm Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele, a former British intelligence operative, to compile a dossier of uncorroborated raw intelligence alleging Trump and Moscow were colluding to hijack the presidential election. This all was hatched from the Clinton cronies, hatched by the Clinton cronies. This was unverified, uncorroborated, raw intelligence that has stuff in it as ridiculous as P-tapes existing. The revelation was confirmed both in contemporaneous evidence and testimony secured by a joint investigation by Republicans on the House Judiciary and Government oversight committees, my source tells me. It means the FBI had good reason to suspect the dossier was connected to the DNC's main law firm and was the product of a Democratic opposition research effort to defeat Trump, yet failed to disclose that information to the FISA court in October of 2016 when a bureau, bureau applied for a FISA warrant to surveil Trump campaign advisor Carter Page. So again, this was oppositional, uncorroborated research gathered from foreign sources by a D.C.-based research firm given, uh, taken to get a warrant against the Trump campaign without disclosing that's where 
these uncorroborated allegations were coming from. This is a bombshell that unequivocally shows the real collusion was between the FBI and Donald Trump's opposition to DNC. Hillary and a Trump-hating British intel officer to hijack the election, rather than some conspiracy between Putin and Trump, a knowledgeable source told me again. Everybody for two years was talking about, oh, he, he colluded with the Russians. The Trump, uh, the Mueller report investigation will show this, and it showed nothing. It showed nobody was indicted for colluding with Russia. They ended up being indicted for other crimes that were uncovered during the course of the investigation, not for colluding with Putin. Okay? Nobody. And the only thing that they have a leg to stand on is obstruction charges. Now, I don't agree with Trump when he says that since there was no collusion, there can be no obstruction. No, dude, it don't work that way. You tried to interfere and obstruct investigators by tampering with witnesses, tampering with evidence, and that's obstruction. And that's a criminal act. And you should be impeached. But we don't see... We don't see Democratic leadership moving for impeachment on these obstruction charges, do you? They certainly can't impeach him on colluding with the Russians because they put all their eggs on in, in the Mueller investigation basket and came up with a big fat nothing burger. Okay? Now, we got USA Today reporting that Pelosi is accusing Trump of an assault on democracy, but says an impeachment decision must be methodical. You know, I'm so tired of these people, and I'm not talking about the people, because again, I understand some of them are useful idiots, I understand some of them are uninformed, and some of them are victims of fake news, okay? So, but I'm talking about the politicians. I'm sick and tired of hearing these political, whether they're in office or they're officials in whatever party. I'm so sick of them saying that Trump colluded with Russia, but you ain't moving to impeach him for collusion because you have no basis to, obviously, according to the Mueller investigation. But why aren't you impeaching him on instruction? You telling us the evidence exists. Some of the leaks that came out, I would say that the evidence exists. So why aren't you moving for an impeachment inquiry, which isn't an impeachment proceeding? What did Nancy Pelosi first say? Well, I'm afraid this is going to rile up um, Trump's base ahead of the 2020 elections, and we don't want to energize them to turn out to vote. Look, they're going to turn out to vote regardless of what you do or don't do. But you say this man broke the law, but you don't want to impeach for political reasons. You only want to start a, a impeachment inquiry, even though members of Congress, members of your own party who are not part of the establishment, like uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, are calling for impeachment inquiry, even in the Senate. But the Democrats don't control the Senate. But even in the Senate, you had Bernie Sanders come out just recently in the past 24 hours saying an impeachment inquiry must start. 
So if you're going to say that Trump is assaulting democracy, but you're not willing to impeach him for obstruction of justice, then you are enabling Trump. You are telling Trump that he's above the law, which he already believes. Most indicators say that he believes that the president is above the law. He had people at the Justice Department say you can't indict a sitting president. And, you know, although they say a sitting president, how many presidents have been indicted after they left office? None. Although they, there's evidence that they should have been indicted on, on human rights crimes and other crimes. But they never, once you're in that president's club, you get immunity. You get unspoken immunity. Like Donald, like when Barack Obama came into office and there were calls for uh, uh, investigation and prosecution of the Bush people for lying us into Iraq and getting all these people killed and killing all those people. What did Obama say? We want to look forward, not backwards. We need to move forward, not backwards. He had no interest in having his Justice Department investigate Bush for crimes. Okay? Once you're in that president's club, and we know how the Bush family and the Obama family are good friends. Don't y'all be seeing how Michelle be all hugging up and kissing on uh, George Bush at different events? Oh, they buddy-buddy. So, but you're Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic establishment are assaulting democracy by not upholding their oath to uphold the Constitution, which clearly lays out a path to impeachment. So don't tell me Trump committed this crime, Trump committed that crime, he instructed justice or this, that, and the other. But you're not going to use the means to hold him accountable. Oh, I'm so sick of all these hearings, all these hearings on man rehashing the same stuff for two years, man. Uh, uh, no, put up or shut up, as we say in the black community. Put up or shut up. Either start an impeachment inquiry issue the subpoenas, gather the evidence, make the case, and if the evidence says that he did instruct justice, then you move to impeach. Other than that, you just need to shut shut up. You just need to shut up. If you ain't gonna put up, shut up. Nancy Pelosi in the Democratic establishment is bluffing. They trying to run a bluff game and stuff. They trying to get you into your feelings along with the friends in the media saying this, that, and the other about colluding with Russia or he's a criminal and this, that, and the other and he broke the law, this, that, and the other. Then if you hold those cards, then play those cards. Or do you not hold any cards and you have a losing hand and therefore you're not willing to cash it in. You're not willing to put it down. That's what their actions say to me. You are enabling Trump's behavior by not holding him accountable. So <clears throat> that's all I ha I have to say say about um, this. Put up or shut up. 
Because it's nothing but a distraction. It's just a distraction. They know they made a lot of money. Giving, and CNN executive even says so. They made a lot of money in, in advertisement revenue from giving Trump a billion dollar uh, free coverage and what have They make a lot. And they still making money because they see people are addicted to news on Trump. They, they, they addicted to the news on Trump. And it generates a lot of uh, revenue for them. So they're going to keep producing these dubious, unobjective, non-journalistic reports. Man. And the masses, the only way the masses is going to wake up is if we deprogram them. And the only way we can deprogram them so that not that they believe what what we believe or take the same point of view that we take, but that we teach them, inform them, educate them on the process of critical thinking, the process of analytical thinking, the process of being non-emotional and not basing decisions on emotion, but basing decisions on facts and, and by coming to logical conclusions. And I logically conclude that Nancy Pelosi has a losing hand and that's why she's not willing to play that hand on an impeachment inquiry. You've been listening to Black Talk Radio News. My name is Scotty Reed. Again, I broadcast this program Monday through Friday, beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And I will do... Sometimes an hour, sometimes two hours. Uh, it just depends on how I'm feeling that day. All right. So anyway, uh, thank you for listening. If you found the information constructive, please share it with others. The podcast will be up in a couple of hours. And please don't forget, make a financial tax deductible contribution to the Black Talk Media Project. You can do that via blacktalkradionetwork.com or um, get a more secure more anonymous social media experience by joining btrcommunity.com for just $24 a year. All proceeds do go to the North Carolina-based nonprofit Black Talk Media Project. Y'all be safe out there. They still practicing slavery. They shooting citizens and non-citizens alike down in the streets. Many of them unarmed and, and the shootings are unjustified. Uh, this nation never stopped practicing slavery. And when you come to that uh, uh, recognition that they never uh, stopped practicing slavery, then some of this other stuff might make more sense to you. It's not just about racism and white supremacy. It's about slavery as well. All right. With that said, peace and blessings to all. And you all be safe out there.